Hi, this is Jordan. You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I specialize in the gaming industry and today I am your host. So welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by Michelle Lindgren, uh, Roger Weber, Clarice Blondie and Eleanor Jordan to discuss diversity and inclusion in the gaming industry. Uh, so before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some small introductions. Eleanor, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, hi. Um, so yeah, my name's um, Eleanor. I'm the CEO of a small newly started studio, which started last year in January. Um, called Plucky Bites and yeah so we're a very very small team we are fully remote um, so everybody works all over Sweden we've got somebody working in Switzerland and in Poland at the moment as well so it's really exciting uh, and we're currently working on our very first project. You're muted. <laughs> Jordan. Roger, do you want to give us an intro? Yes, sure. Yeah, you were muted. We couldn't hear you. Hi, um, I'm Roger. I'm the lead program at Grey Wolf. We are also fully remote, so that's great, uh, all over Sweden, but we're also opening up an office in Malta, and we're a super small team, and we're currently working on our own title. I just, I do code all day. See, no matter how many podcasts you do, there's still mistakes to be made. So uh, <laughs> that's a warning for myself for future podcasts. Uh, Clarice? Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you, everybody. I'm Clarice. I'm a producer at Fanplus uh, in the Western uh, section and especially in the Stockholm studio. So Fanplus is a mobile game company mostly based in China and the Western department work mostly on casual match-free games. Brilliant. And uh, last but certainly not least, Michelle? Hello, um, my name is Michelle. I work as a development director at DICE, currently working on Battlefield 2042. I've uh, been a project manager for almost a decade now, so <laughs> getting in the years. But, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, now we've got a context and a little bit of a background to everyone. Let's move on to the topic in focus. So you've all prepared a question uh, for the topic of diversity and inclusion in the gaming industry. Uh, we're going to go around the room asking each of you to pose your question and the reasons behind it. And everyone's going to have the opportunity to uh, give your take on the situation. So let's start with Michelle. All right. So my question is, do you recognize the dilemma of wanting to attract a more diverse player base, um, but at the same time having to satisfy the core fans that are usually a very homogenous group of men uh, that doesn't necessarily always welcome these kinds of attempts? And if so, um, how do you make decisions regarding player sentiment versus the value of diversity? And uh, I mean, the reason why I picked this is because I find myself in this situation quite a lot, <laughs> not um, only here, but in general in the gaming industry, I've felt like this comes up quite a, quite a lot. So interested to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, 
think on my side, I think on my side, I just want to chime in first because our situation at FunPlus working on female oriented games is a bit different. It's a bit the opposite. Like we are focusing a target group that is very open to diversity, that wants more diversity. We're running uh, a lot of um, you know, qualitative tests with players asking like, what do you think of this image, those themes, and usually uh, the female players that we have comes back to us, come back to us with a lot of like, oh, it looks great, but we would like a more diverse cast, we'd like to see more diversity, more inclusive, in being more inclusive. So it's, we have a bit more the opposite um, in the sense that our team is still fairly a lot of older men who are a bit more hardcore player or co player and we're targeting casual female um yeah targets so it's more like how do we convince the team that there is market value in pursuing those kind of things while not making just you know markets uh, like it needs to be a true part of the game true part of the theme so it's interesting how it's kind of like the opposite a bit so yeah on our side it's more like trying to convince a group of men that they are speaking and yeah trying to talk to women mostly uh, and even thinking how we can branch out out of like offering something a bit more gender neutral sometimes to reach out uh, of the women target so it's a bit different from what you might experience actually super interesting though <laughs> yeah can i can i just ask you um with your do you have an all-female team then Clarice? no no you don't. that's uh, that's something we struggle quite regularly like the team is aware that most of the creative director art director like uh and even market directors are ma uh, men so it we are looking at hiring more and more female or like more and more women, more than female, more and more women to uh, balance that. But it's a bit tricky. And I think I'll touch on that in my own question about yeah. hiring. <laughs> uh, but no, we wish, we wish uh, we had more women, sadly, not yet. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I can go from, from my side as well. Um, so. As we are a relatively new studio, um, we are working to grow a fan base that's diverse from the get-go. Um, we are working on our own titles as well. So we've got a lot of flexibility to move around with that as well. Um, yeah, and it's it's really good because we can, li we listen to everybody as well and everybody has like an input um, in, in the kind of games we make and everything. So it's, yeah, so we're trying to do it from the get-go rather than later down the line. So I think we're, we're in a really great position to be able to do that from the very beginning. And um, we've got our eyes open and things. So, yeah. Yeah, um, on our end, for example, we can also make sure we make the game as diverse as possible from the get-go. But it's hard because it's basically just a group of white men right now. And like... If we don't have that opinion in the room, then it's easy for these things to fall through the cracks and you forget about it. So it's super important to keep this in mind and trying to hire. But it's, yeah, when we get going to get to your question, it's hiring later. You know, it's it's hard. Um, 
when you only have a certain mm -hmm. pool to choose from, it's mm -hmm. not that simple. No? Yeah, and you have to make that decision on whether or not you want to move away from that group to win over another. And then mm -hmm. there's, you know, that always comes with risk and the, you know, in the roles that we have, it's also something that you also have to take into consideration and the, the revenue and all of these things as well, like mm -hmm. all of the metrics that you are tracking will be affected, maybe, um, you know, yeah. since it's, it's, um, it's always a tough, tough discussion. And um, I wish I had a I wish I had the magic formula to know how to to make those calls in every uh, situation. I think it might be especially difficult on an established franchise or license because you're it's not only like the genre or like your target group, it's also like followers yeah. that and yeah. we know that people don't necessarily like changes a lot, especially yeah. if they are loyal to the to the license. So I can imagine all the implication of taking yeah. a step forward in that direction. Yeah. No, I think, but I think I've experienced this in, in other on other titles as well. But they are very, you know, that um, stereotypical like core fans of of. Uh, men <laughs> that are um that get very upset i mean it's not nothing wrong with the men it's just that there's um that when they get upset it it creates that internal conflict a lot of times i think as fans i know we are always eager to please them uh so it's hard to to make that call and also with that fan base right the, the problem is really that the the ones that are that get upset that are the most vocal don't necessarily represent the majority of the players for the game. Mm -hmm. It's it's the minority exactly. that's the most vocal one, but their voice is heard because they go out there and they they bang the war drums and they complain and they post everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And it's hard to disregard, you know, because you see that and it it becomes a risk and it's something that you have to consider even even when you know that this is a minority or like the radical part of of a fan base. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's harder as well now with them, um, obviously, with social media as well. They can take it so far and do a lot yeah. of damage in such a short amount of time. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've seen it for, for a few titles. Um, so it's, it happens. <laughs> I just, I just found that, you know, it's so important to keep in mind that, you know, the guys that complain is because they complain about the problem. But all of your players that don't complain are the ones that are happy because they're content. They have nothing. Like sometimes they'll write like, oh, this game is so nice. And that's really good. But like I think that's great with influencers. Those are more vocal about what's nice about the game. They showcase what's nice about the game. So I think that's been a really good rise in game development that you get influencers really showcase the nice things rather than just having people from a few years before where you just had forums and people just complained in the forums or they were looking for help of the forums and they quickly devolved into complaining about issues. Yeah, I agree. I think they have become a very important tool um, in, in driving these type of questions, not just this type, but like in general, when you want to um, kind of move towards change of any sort, they could be a really good asset in, uh, in helping you <laughs> achieve that. 
like the the community blessing <laughs> they'll help you get it <laughs> yeah. yeah like you, you have to get visibility for the problem right at paradox it was basically the unwritten rule that if you beat the game director in a multiplayer match internally the thing was going to get fixed so if you really wanted something fixed you went and used it against the game director and suddenly it, it got fixed it's the magic formula <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Uh, Roger, can we come to you for your question next? Of course. So my question is, you know, what, what challenges have you run into whilst trying to improve equality, diversity and inclusion um, at your workplace? And how I've come to this is because we're a very small team and we were a lot more diverse a couple of months ago and you lose one member and suddenly your diversity is back to zero. Um, mm -hmm. And I am sure there's other challenges around it. Like, is there pushback at work or like, I'm just curious what you guys have experienced, um, you know, make it an open round. You can look at this in, in lots of different ways. Um, like from either, um, from a team um, fit, but also from a games perspective as well. Um, and, I actually joined my team in a um, creative workshop where we were all using Miro um, and uh, and we were like, made to think about different things. I went in to cause havoc because I'm not very good at that sort of thing. But, <laughs> um, but what was really interesting for me was to see how the team think individually in things. And what came out of it was when we were thinking about um, equality, diversity and inclusion was we often over, you can overcompensate because you want to make sure you're very inclusive with things, but then you're like, I don't know, let's take gender, for example, you know, so you want to, rather than having, you know, a girl being, you know, this uh, person who needs to be rescued, you know, your typical princess sort of thing, which I can't stand, um, they overcompensate. It's like, well, you know, you can make them really strong and basically, Butch them all up a little bit, or you could make you know you could take um I don't know a, um, a physically disabled person, and um and they really go you know you can really go to town with that. I, I you know I was also I I was also sort of like at fault there. I definitely overcompensated, and then when we all discussed it at the end of doing different um sections of it, it, it opened your eyes to you know how other people think as well and. Um, and I think that's a really big um, thing that we've got to be careful with is overcompensating. Um, there's also, um, you know, different genders, you know, and also written non-binary people as well. There's lots of different types, you know, people, how people see themselves. Um, and I think the biggest thing for us is what I've tried to say is, you are never going to be able to please every single person because there are people are complex and um you may think yes okay i've cracked this you know of um including this um this thing or this type of um th thought or whatever or this um 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 and disability but then somebody else might take that as a, um, you know, as a negative thing. I know that um, some people think, you know, having autism 
or ADHD can be, um, you know, it's like a, it's like a superhero power sort of thing. Um, but then I know that some people, you know, other people think, you know, they, they take offense to that. So you're always going to come across, you're never going to be able to please everybody. Um, and it's just showing that you've tried, I think. Um, I think uh, one of my challenges is when working with this is that being in this industry, I mean, um, the majority of the people you work with aren't as aware um, because they um, a lot of times have the privilege of being able to say, well, I don't see, I don't see sexism. I don't see racism. I don't see these things, therefore, do they even exist? And that is for me, one of the challenges in, you know, driving things to get people to rally around a subject or to, to make the efforts that you want, or that you're, you know, what you're aspiring to do with your team or like a, a product or whatever it is that you're trying to do. If the majority of the people um, don't experience the same thing, it's really hard. It's, it becomes this abstract thing. So I think education is something that I have focused mm -hmm. on a lot, like trying to educate that even if you don't see this and point out that even if you don't see this, even if you don't experience it, even if you don't, if, even if it doesn't matter to you, you still need to be aware of the fact that it does exist, acknowledge the fact that it happens, that it is a struggle or that it's, you know, everything that comes with this. Um, it is, um, it is something that has helped me um, in both hiring or driving different initiatives or whatever it could be. It, it helps to um, create some awareness um, because a lot of times like people don't want to be ignorant. They don't want to be mean. They don't want to be, um, you know, whatever you feel that they are when they don't acknowledge or see the problems. It's because they have the privilege of not seeing a lot of times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's my challenge of, you know, trying to collect the energy to also continue that education because it's also not something that happens overnight. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people uh, that also uh, yeah. need it. <laughs> I think some I think some people can also get incredibly defensive because they don't want to admit that they need to think about this. They just want to be in their little bubble and continue the way they've always been. Um, even if the evidence is staring in them in the face, even if you, you can you can go, you know, you can really drive a point home to them, but they don't they just don't want to open up to any idea that it could even exist at all because that's almost like it's going against what they've believed in it's also going you know it potentially causes more work as well because you've got to think in a different way as well and for a lot of people you know, a lot of people are lazy they just, they just want to do what they know and do what they do and they don't want change is is, is hard um i found that in different places definitely um and people I've met. On my side in 
in the current studio I'm working at, I feel like I've been very lucky to find such a good culture. Like people are really hired based on the value of caring for each other or like at least being respectful. And with such a small team that we can address directly with the people when something went wrong or where boundaries were overstepped, we have a lot of tough conversations sometimes on that, which is, I think, super good to be honest. Like, mm -hmm. we have a few people of color, we have a few non binaries people, non binary people, well, and they feel at ease to talk about their issue. The rest of the team uh, is open to, you know, making the life easier whenever possible. But I feel like even with all the good intentions in the world, we still don't really know what to do to make it better. We still, like, I'm thinking uh, of hiring again, but it's just like, we know a lot of people that are similar to us in our networks and things like that. And sometimes there is such a urgent need that you just pick the person that is available and that has the right skills that you know and you can trust fast and you don't necessarily push forward for minorities for diversity mm. and i find it tricky because it's like you know you have this urgency you have the the needs to fulfill and sometimes you can overlook all about yes this whole uh you know making step forwards and i just wish we had a more set in stone process or questions that we could think about to help us really pay attention as much as it deserved to that topic. So we're doing good on the day to day, but I think we could do a lot better. Uh, I think we're just like all aware and we accept it, but we don't necessarily find the right actions to take or the right steps that could help us. So that's my main, you know, disappointment sometimes. But it's it's also such a small team that we are able to not hide and be honest about those topics, which I think is extremely valuable. However, I can imagine when you scale up or where it gain or like when you have more like outsourcing companies coming in or stuff like that, that this quality or like this privilege of being picky about the people you is a lot more difficult and yeah then I think I think Mitchell you had a very great point about educating it's mm -hmm. just like so important instead of telling people like you're wrong or those are the rules just making them understand like hey let's just all know the realities and try to make it better for everybody so yeah Yeah, sometimes with the education part, it's hard, right? Because people will feel attacked um, because they think, oh, you know, there's all of the sexism going on, but I'm not a sexist. Like, it can't be that bad. And like, you can f you can face that pushback when you're just trying to educate them that this problem is real. And they're not, there's a there's a resistance to believing because it doesn't fit with what they, they, their internalized view of the world, their moral compass. I'm like, no, that can't be right. No, no people couldn't be doing this that's so wrong this can't be right right mm. i think in regards to education i mean i i'm a huge believer in education and i am 
the first person to jump on any course, um, you know, to, to educate myself in, in things, even if it's a, even if there's a topic that I feel I, I've got a good grounding, I will still, you know, it's good to go and educate yourself. And I think um, if I, I'm looking into education now, but I would put the whole team through it. So it's not just a couple of people going on it. It's so that the whole team, and we can say, you know, there's always going to be something you will get out of this course. Even if you feel you are an expert in this particular area, it doesn't matter. There's always going to be something um, that you will learn from it. Um, and yeah, that's that. That's how I I see it with with education. I think it's it's really good. I think on top of education, something that I like or that I believe in is leading by example. Leading by example. Yeah. So you need your leadership team. Like if you want anyone in any part of the team to follow, you need to have the leadership team really applying what the company culture is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So I think it's at the beginning, especially when you want to change or when you want to set a new one, uh, it's really all about having those lead members and not exaggerating it either, but really like and like putting a strong emphasis on it. Uh, in the sense like they should be the one maybe raising some questions when something wrong happens or just you know mentioning like oh maybe some boundaries were crossed or things like that and instead of calling out people directly i feel like there is value in just saying like oh this is my input on the situation this is how it feels this is how some people might feel how is this something that we want as a team to have and to perpetuate um, but I think it can be very tricky if the leadership is not necessarily convinced or mm -hmm. health believes in it it's uh, and as long as this doesn't happen I find it very very difficult to trickle the like it doesn't trickle down to the rest of the team and culture is really like a daily task like you have to do it yeah. every day and if you're part mm -hmm. of the leadership you're an example at all time I yeah. think it's especially uh, important to focus the effort on those parts, at least. Yeah, as a, absolutely. To give motion. Especially in a stressful situation, like it's it's much easier on a normal day when there's no deadline, when you don't have to release a game tomorrow, but then mm -hmm. people sort of start, some people like crack under pressure. And if leadership isn't on top and they're like, oh, you know what? We have a we have a we have a lease tomorrow. So you use the wrong pronoun. What's wrong? We, you focus on development. Like that's that's sort of a bad example. Like because even when when things get really stressful and you have to start running this, you got to be on top of your culture because it's so fast for that to spiral and then become accepted behavior and sort of poison the good culture that you maybe had before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Uh, let's change direction slightly then. Uh, Clarice, are you ready with your question? Yes. So my question, uh, as I touched on a bit before, is about hiring processes. And it is, how can we improve our hiring processes from job ads to interviews to all the other steps to make them more inclusive and appealing to minorities? As I mentioned before, what I'm asking this question is because we mostly hire through networks. And since the company is mostly you know older white dudes uh, it gets very easy to get stuck to this type of people let's say 
and we I realized even like through the whole my own hiring process, I like I'm sure we can do more things to be attractive. Maybe there are things that might be, you know, repelling to some minorities. Maybe there are things that are more appealing. And I'm just curious, like, have you implemented anything? Is there any ideas that you might have that could help or like that you went through yourself that you noticed and thought like, oh, that's a good point that I value. We're um, we're currently looking for um, to fill a position, um, and one thing that I in from this ad onwards. So when every single ad that I'm going to be, you know, when I'm looking for um, to hire positions, one thing I've added now in the necessary skill stroke requirements section is that um, applicants must be open-minded and are passionate about um, diversity, equality and inclusion. And that came from my team. Um, right now, my team are, we are that. Um, we are incredibly small, like I said, so we've, it, we, um, and we need to be very careful who we bring in. And so that is, to me, that is absolutely crucial that, you know, people who come into our team, um, they need to be open-minded, they need to um, be passionate about this. And because that also is going to go through into our game as well. And it's, it's part of our company um, culture. Um, yeah. I think there's, you know, it becomes a natural selection when you do that kind of thing. Like everything from the ad to um, the interview, the questions you ask, you know, if you ask someone, is this important to you? And you get an answer that is like, not a satisfactory answer. <laughs> then, um, then you already know, like there's like this natural process. If you keep bringing this up, I feel like you would lose most of the candidates that you don't want and keep the people that, that would probably be a better fit. But also whilst being there and keeping like the retention is also important because a lot of times, at least in my experience, um, you hire people but then you have a hard time keeping them because of the culture can, I mean, it can be hard, even if it's not super toxic, it's hard to be the only woman, for example, in a team of 50 or a hundred people, it can be challenging. Um, even if there's, you know, there aren't obvious, like terrible behavior, it's still, you can feel singled out or you can feel, you just know you're constantly aware of the fact. And I think those type of things or being any type of minority. Um, I mean, I noticed it certain, I mean, being too double minority and it becomes this like <laughs> super aware of it, even though it might not affect me on a daily basis, but you know, and it, it creates this difficulty of with retention over time because, um, you don't have your kind of own group of people that you can connect with, the people that you can, um, that you share values with. And it's not, you know, no, it becomes harder and harder the bigger you get because there are only so many people 
I mean, I think this industry is still, even though it's uh, huge, it's still pretty small. Like the amount of people kind of rotate. <laughs> so it becomes hard to have all of your team being uh, super educated and super open and super passionate. It becomes really hard and it's almost impossible in today's you know climate if you can't. Um, so you have to set the set the bar from the beginning in the hiring process and make sure that this is something that we value here. And even if you know they need to get on board, even if they not on a personal level, they might not think that it's the most important thing in their life. At least they will not be a problem, and they will can you know they will sign off on this is how we do it here. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think so. Something that was very interesting in my uh, recruitment in Funplus is that I had the opportunity to have uh, a call uh, a bit outside of the hiring process, the regular one, but with two women in the team, like that were going to be my co-workers in the future, without any supervisor, without any superior, just sitting down with them, chatting, asking them like, how is it? How it feels? Do you have any problems? Do you feel like there is anything I should be aware of. Do you recommend this day-to-day -day environment? Mm -hmm. It was very nice to be able to, you know, well, have people in your own minority, if, yeah, minority, mm -hmm. uh, and and be able to ask them direct question. I feel like it was a very interesting step that I haven't seen in any other companies so far. So maybe stuff like that could be also mm -hmm. interesting. I think um, one, I'm, I'm really, really struggling with um, when when you hire, the minute you put a job ad, uh, um, advert out, um, you get bombarded with, um, with, with applicants. And there are so many applicants who just are not qualified. I've had cleaners, I've had taxi drivers, I've had, you know, for a game designer's position, I've had cooks, I, I mean, yeah, you get everyone, and um, <laughs> and so I, you know, I'm I get a hundred emails a week with applications, and out of them, I may get right now when it was you know it's gone down to about three people who who may fit the bill, and um, it's it's insanely time consuming, um, and because we are a really 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 small team, I'm incredibly protective of my team, and so I do all the paper sifting myself. Um, and it's it, it takes a lot of my time, and I'm now think you know sitting on the fence like I really should just give this out to a third party um, and let them do the paper sifting for me. But I'm just like, if I did that, there was one team member in my team who is an absolute gem. I mean, they're all amazing stars, all of them. But this um, this person would not have even got a look in, and I know that um from circumstances um that this person's gone through and things i know that this person would not have got a look in and actually they are absolutely amazing at what they do um they've just been promoted um and and that's and that's i really sit on the fence because so um so i do all the paper sifting everything and then what i do is i do the initial interview with the with the candidates who, who've um, been shortlisted so i go through the um, paper system things and then the ones that i think you know that are actually qualified i will then give those to the the people who are leads of the um different areas that we're looking for and say okay guys you know go check these and then give me yes no or you know maybe sort of 
to which ones you want to shortlist. Um, and then I will do the initial interview. And when I send out the um, email um, offering an in the first initial interview, I put emojis in, I'm very friendly. I say, you know, this is an informal meeting, informal chat. Um, this is, I'm not technically based at all. I break machines, not, you know, I, I, I'm not good with that sort of thing. So this is literally just to see, um, you know, if you're fit into our team, if you've got any questions for me as well. Um, and I also make sure um, when I uh, send the email out, I also say, you know, if, if there's anything that you feel that you may need support with, um, just let me know um, in advance so that I can support you with if you're not, um, it, I don't know if there's anything to do with video or anything like that. Um, and I'm talking, you know, disabilities or anything at all. I don't, I don't ever spe specify what, if there's any needs, but if there's anything, um, just so it's out there so they know that I'm here to support them. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we just have a general chit chat and it's just completely relax and I actually end up getting you know a 45 minute meeting with them can often go over an hour and they'll get like a life story from people I just have this general chit chat with them and uh, and then I feel a bit bad because like they're not all I can't take everybody <laughs> so it's it's finding that balance of do we go for an external person you know company or something to paper sift or do I carry on doing this but I, I don't think I can keep doing this <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's hard. Yeah, I, I think like one of the problems is in the pool of people that we can choose from. So I saw that at university when I went to study computer science and we were a couple of hundred people in the first year. There was a handful of women in my class and that was it. And it was very much not diverse. But like that's 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 a problem. That's a societal problem, right? It starts mm -hmm. with hey there's discrimination between men and women early on at age, and it's, it's it progresses yeah. from there on. It starts at school, at sports, it goes then to education further than in careers. Mm -hmm. But there's there's small steps that we can take, like because we can't change the education system and society. Like that's that's a bit too big for our plates. But um, one of the examples I have there was a there was an event in Linköping, Linköping University, and Ambark was there. And even though the departments don't have that many women, they sent an all female team down there. Um, to represent the company and it's about showing that you know there are women here you can work with women um you know this diversity CEO making sure that that this is really portrayed it's about public image right when when somebody from a young age sees that hey this is a possibility oh there's this there's this woman that's doing really great at her career and she's really enjoying it and she's programming this is something that I could do it's about changing mm -hmm. The mind of the people that hate this opening the mind to the possibility that this is really potential um yes there's the discrimination yes there's harassment there's sexism going on but we can change this over time or the company could create events after work where you teach women how to code like boot camps um you try to include or for minorities people like I'm aware that I've been super privileged. I was born in a Western country with no war, no, um, I am white, so I, I'm a man. Like there's all of these things at birth that give me an incredible advantage. And we can make programs to target people that don't have those advantages by birth, by helping them, you know, once they're more grown. We can, but the company has to make an effort, right? So if, you, if you've decided that this is something that you want, you want diversity in your company, you have the funds and the time to invest into it. 
you can do things. You can start those initiatives. And they're small, they're small things, but over time, this adds up. Over time, this changes the culture of our society. But it's, it starts small. It starts like we can all look at our own lives and see where we can make small differences. And if everybody does their part, those differences will start adding up. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I feel really, I don't know if this is, I don't really know if I feel privileged, um, lucky, or I shouldn't feel any of those things. It's just, it should just be the norm. Um, but we are 50-50 in our team. We are 50, uh, you know, we, we are five females and five male. Um, and, uh, you know, at the moment, that's how we, um, that, uh, that's what we've got um, as how everybody sees themselves. We don't have any non-binary people at the moment. It's completely unintentional. I haven't gone out there looking for the, obviously you can't do that. And I wouldn't do that anyway, because I'm looking for team fit. I'm looking for, you know, I, I don't care about, you know, background and things like that. It's more to do with can they do the job and do they fit the team? And, you know, we've got some quiet people, we've got some really loud people. Um, and that's that's the thing. It's, yeah, it's having, you can't really um, go out there, even if you wanted to have more of a diverse team, you can't say, right, only, you know, we, oh, we're really low on numbers in this area. We need to bring in more people and, and things. So it's, it's, it is very, very challenging. Um, and I think it actually does start in schools. We do need to get into schools and start showing, um, you know, all children that they can all be coders. We've got a female coder in our team and I'm so proud of that. Um, yeah, out of, out of three coders, one of them is female. So it's really proud of that. <laughs> I think uh, uh, one thing that also ties into how you attract and, you know, appeal to the crowd that you're like missing is to look at the product as well. Like, what is the product telling you? What is, mm -hmm. what does that tell you about what type of company this is? What the company, like, what does it put out? How do they market their stuff? To whom do they market it? Like, uh, is the content appealing because a lot of times like we want to work with things that uh, appeal to us and things that we can recognize ourselves in or something that we feel passionate about and if for example if you play a game where there are only male characters maybe you don't identify as much as a woman and maybe that does not speak to you so maybe you also don't want to work for that company because that company and the product that they produce don't speak to you. So I think it's also looking at all of the parts in mm -hmm. not only the hiring, but it's like, why do they not want to come here? Is it because of the stuff that we put out or mm -hmm. do we market ourselves to other people? Because a lot of times that is the case as well. Like we don't market our product to be for, uh, for the people that we might be looking for, or we don't create the content. So I think that is also something to, you know, do a little retrospect of like, why, why is it not working? Because you cannot put out a product that uh, tells a different story than the one that you're trying to uh, convey in your, in your hiring process. And I think um, that is uh, a lot of times forgotten that that is, a, at least for me, on a personal level, uh, if I don't resonate with the 
what is being put out there, I'm going to have a hard time representing that company. I'm going to have a hard time um, producing that product and, and standing by it as we release it. So I think that is a, that is a big factor too. Excellent. Uh, and last but not least for questions, Eleanor, have you got yours ready? Yeah. Um, so when it comes to inclusion, how do you ensure that your workplace is an environment where people know that you value their ideas, regardless of their background, gender, culture, role, position in the company? Um, and the reason why I've asked this is because I hear time and time again that um, people don't feel valued in companies, in studios. Um, they are literally just, they just become part of the machine. Um, our sort of motto is um, our team is made of people, not machines. And that there, um, I know there's a number of people who I've, who I've interviewed, they've actually been drawn in by, by those words on their own even. Um, and that's so the fact that um people have mentioned that to me in the first interview speaks volumes to me um and it's also we also say um in in adverts as well you know your your voice um and opinion you know are valued and you know we actually want to hear you uh, please don't just sit there quietly if you want to say something you've got to say it please you know it, it's really important that you do speak up um yeah so i mean one of the the things that i really have noticed is we do have um a couple of quiet um developers and it's in it's really important to ask them if we're in a meeting or something because and, and also um don't ever put people you know don't ever feel make them feel they have to talk in a big group they can also um you know say things that, you know texting if they prefer you know if we're in a in a, um, in a workshop or something they can just put it into the into a message or something or they can go and talk to somebody outside of that as well but making sure there's loads of different avenues for people to feel um safe um to to add their opinion and viewpoints and and their suggestions i can i can go um i think i think there's multiple components to this like one thing is making sure that you have a culture where people can fail and can be open about their failures mm -hmm. Um, no, don't just say that. It's like, oh, it's okay. No, we value opinion and you can fail and admit your mistakes. And then the yearly review comes around and then it's like, oh, you made these mistakes. Therefore, you're not getting a promotion and you're not getting a raise. And like, because then you're saying one thing, but doing another. So you have to be really in integral, integral with um, how you treat people in the company, what the company culture is. So making sure that people can be open about their feelings, their thoughts, um, their work performance, like having an open and trusting environment for me is like a super key component to this and then the other one is to also make sure that you don't dismiss um opinions when they come up that you know like oh no that's a stupid idea we'll never do that like mm -hmm. that's that's negativity to an idea like you have to embrace even if the idea doesn't work at least you have to mm -hmm. treat it in a way that's a possibility make sure that people you don't you and as you mentioned i think it's a super good point about shy people 
uh, make sure that everybody can give the opinion in a way that they prefer. Like if they just mm -hmm. want to write you private message because they 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 are insecure about the ideas, they're not sure if they're going to work, they don't want to embarrass themselves. Like help people help themselves as much as possible. Um, and I think that's like for me that's that's a good way. Also, what I've seen. Um, that there's transparency of information that's also important. Mm -hmm. So that there's not leadership just making decisions and then sort of just raining down yeah. decisions on everybody or withholding information in an attempt to get more performance out of people or because there's deadlines that not everybody needs to be aware of. Like just tell people, be transparent about what's going on so that everybody has um, all the information out there to make an informed decision. Like trust, trust your team, be mm -hmm. open, be honest with them and take it from there. Our um, we have three values, core values at, in our studio. The, the 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 very top one, and this is a, this is this word really stands out to me. And you don't really need any of the values, but this. But it's good to have other ones as well, just to highlight. Um, so we have response, uh, respect, um, and respect is like the umbrella. This is how I see it: is the umbrella, and that without respect, um, you've got nothing. You've, respect works both ways. Um, and then the other ones are trust and transparency. Now these two, um, and I mean, all three of them, but trust and transparency are huge key players, especially for a remote studio. Um, we do not have, um, we do not expect people to be in, in the office from nine o'clock and clock out, have an hour's lunch and then clock out at six. I tell every single person who get the job, I don't care if you don't do eight hours a day. I don't care if you only do four hours a day. What I do care about is the quality of your work. Um, and I'm constantly saying, you know, if you're stuck, if you're not in like the zone type thing, it, you know, um, and you just can't get your head into it, shut everything down and just get out. Go and do something that is going to make you feel happy, good about yourself. Go for a walk, go for a run. Just go and sit in the sun or, I don't know, go and do something um, that's going to help you relax a lot more and then come back. Um, because there's no point in having people sat at a computer going crazy because they, you know, they're being paid to sit there, but really they're not being very productive their mental health suffers and actually that's just going to have a knock-on effect to the team because they potentially you know if it if it goes unnoticed um could then go off on sick leave or something and you know that's not good for themselves um and I'm very very people orientated I you know I really care about the general health of my team um and it's it has a knock-on effect and that's what I mean it, it's very you've got to respect and trust everybody. Um, they know what they're doing. They've been given their tasks, um, which they've also been involved with as well for setting up. And, you know, they don't have to check in, you know, every hour or whatever. Um, and the transparency one is they, we don't hide things from them at all. They are very much involved in the studio running and, um, and if there's um, things that they need to be, you know, we need to make a decision about, I don't know, studio culture or something, they are all involved in that as well. And I think that's really, you know, rather than, you know, me just taking, you know, okay, we're gonna do this now. Um, I may put that into the handbook and then say, okay guys, right, 
this this is going to go into the handbook what do you think of this and I want their opinions from it and things have been added changed and you know and taken out because they've given me their you know their viewpoints um, and I take on board everything they say yeah and the I read the question again like how do you know people value your ideas and that you that you hear them and I think you know to me the answer is pretty simple uh you listen like if you want to hear make sure people feel heard you hear them out if you want to feel you want them to feel valued you make sure that you value them if you want them to stay healthy you make sure they have an environment where that is allowed uh, to not have them work you know crunch or everything goes out the door because of a release or a deadline or whatever it may be i think it it's not it shouldn't be that hard you know if 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 that is what you want the answer is right there if you want people to feel valued make sure you show it make sure that whenever they do something that you appreciate or they contribute in a way that is you know that adds value to your company to your project to whatever situation then make sure you let them know because that that is a lot of times why you feel like a machine like whatever you do nothing is good enough or nothing is value it's just like well it's a part of your job so just be grateful that you're here kind of <laughs> yeah um and i think i think that is uh, a thing that usually get lost and and there are you know there are layers to it uh, a lot of times you can't tell you know in my role a lot of times i can't give all of the information that i have for a variety of reasons mm -hmm but making sure they are heard in the way that I hear that you want to be involved. I appreciate that you want to be involved. Like um, I see that you're engaged or whatever it may be. Um, and for this like X reason, I can't share this with you even though I want to, but this because of, you know, for whatever reason it may be to yeah. make sure that you acknowledge the fact that I see that you want this information. I would like mm -hmm. to involve you, but I cannot. And whenever I can, you know, you will be the first to know or whatever it may yeah. be. I think, you know, just bringing back the humanity of like, it's not even about uh, gender or culture or role or whatever. It's about uh, as humans, we need to feel seen and heard yeah. otherwise we're not going to feel like we exist <laughs> yeah and um and then it doesn't matter how much you pay people they're going to be miserable anyway and a lot of times you 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 don't want the payment or like the salary that you give people to be compensation for not feeling heard or seen or appreciated um that should just be a bonus and i think um yeah, it's such a simple thing, but that Absolutely. very easily gets lost somewhere, yeah. somewhere along the milestones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the majority of the time, you're not going to always feel like this because everybody, you know, everybody's got different feelings, everyone's complex and everything. Um, but the majority of the time, people should feel happy about going to work. Um, and, you know, and, and, 
and you know always you know excited to go to work because it's an enjoyable place to go you feel valued you feel listened to you know and you're doing what you really love to do and it's it's really horrible the number of times that I've um I've heard um I mean I know some of my um, I've got a couple of interns right now and some of their um co- students that their friends from from school as well have, have said you know other um, studios don't listen to them at all because they're interns they don't give them proper um like assignments to do whereas we treat our interns as if they are employees they you know i sent them easter gifts they are they get you know a welcome pack just like everybody else who starts with us um because I don't, you know, they're, they're, they're do just because they're students, it doesn't mean they're any less than, you know, our senior people at all. They, to me, they, they're all there to do a job and we all do different jobs. We all do different things. We all contribute in a different way. Um, and for me as well, it also shows in the team, if you've got a high staff turnover, um, that's alarm bells ringing um and you know i'm constant you know i've i had um another intern who contacted me they've just finished their internship and they're like you know they, unfortunately they couldn't come and do their internship with us but they're now looking for a job we unfortunately can't take them because we don't have a position open for them but they've come back and asked for a position and and it's really really nice um and i think it's because it, it, it sort of it gets out as well um, that, you know, word of mouth is incredibly important. And if you, you know, if, this, if a studio, a company um, is constantly, you know, and treating people in, in quite a, you know, in a way that they're not feeling valued and things, it gets out there. Um, and then that company then becomes, you know, talk of, you know, oh, don't go there. And... I think, unfortunately, there are so many companies that have this reputation now, um, which is which is quite sad because um, a lot of innocent people can feel very hurt and do get hurt. Um, yeah. One quick thing related to the question. Um, since right now with the age where people work from home and we have remote companies, like one thing one super easy mistake that companies do and that's easy to make is to have too many closed off areas for conversation. Um, make sure that you have meetings open for everybody. So if they want to join in, yeah. not be like, oh no, this is a game designer's only meeting. You programmer can't join, you artist can't join. That doesn't concern you. Like be inclusive, right? Um, don't have too many uh, private Slack channels. Like that can also make people easily feel excluded because you are actively excluding them. Like you're not, don't you're not forcing everybody to join into a development channel but leave it open and if somebody wants to just check the messages or contribute every other month just have the have the possibility and it's super easy to do it's, it's interesting because we had the opposite issue uh, at my company for a while of uh, in my team especially for a while of having meetings with too many people and two open channels to the point that they would create their own private channel channel to be able to be you know among the self feel safe which is also you know showing other issues especially i think the not showing that it's okay to fail and things like that but it's i think it's establishing the right points of contact and connection in the sense like like 
really like trust and connection with someone that you know will be your champion preferably several ones and I think something we tend to forget when we're so much in the heat of development is to have some time for that dedicate it for that because it's so easy to think like having one-on-ones even if you're not the manager is lost time on productivity though taking care of your team is so much more important mm-hmm. and sometimes they don't want to talk directly to their leads for some things or they want to talk to someone else they want to have other type of context and that's such a tricky thing <laughs> to do in my opinion like finding the right people dedicated the time making them the stakeholders understand that you need to take the time to do that can be sometimes very tricky and even remind ourselves that you need to take the time to do that if someone comes to you you need to be able to say i have a specific time frame dedicated but i want to dedicate it to you i feel like sometimes it's uh yeah it's not easy but uh, i feel like it's the best way to again lead by example that showing that you care, that showing that you care and you try to do things and then give them context of like, it did not go through because of those reasons or we had to take that decision because of reasons or just we don't know. <laughs> Sometimes can just help everybody in the room. And, you know, making the most value out of everything for everyone in a sense like, meetings with too many people some people might get shy some people might need more time some people might just be not finding the right value and just do something else and you might miss their input so finding the right channel of communication is a is an art form that i have not mastered yet (laughs) but it's an interesting challenge for sure one something we have seen this work incredibly well it's a product owner who does this extremely well basically the one-on-ones um, they're scheduled for half an hour, but I know they're going to last three hours and 15 <laughs> minutes of that is work. And yeah. it's just getting to know the other person, right? It's so good to build trust and understanding. Just talk about your hobbies, what you do, just mm-hmm. form that personal connection. And that is part of building a really like good team environment. Especially with remote, especially yeah. with remote. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Something that I did is just having one-on-ones with everybody, just to get to know them, even if I was not mm-hmm. working with them directly. And in the end, I kept those going like every two months just to check in. And it has been like, so valuable just for me to do my work, to get to know people. Brilliant. And uh, we'll leave it there. So this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank uh, the guests today, Eleanor, Clarice, Roger and Michelle, for providing you insights into this topic. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, If you would like to get involved in one of the upcoming podcasts, reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at jordan.lound at evolution-nordics.com. And uh, we will see you all next time.